Well, as mentioned before, there are a lot of things new happening here. A couple new things I forgot to mention this morning during the time of family matters. Uh, With the new year, we also have the leadership training for Christ about to begin, and there's a parents' meeting in the chapel following our assembly. The leadership training for Christ is something that's really woven into the life of this church. It is a blessing to the youth, and ultimately just looking beyond it is a blessing to the church at large. Wherever the youth ends up, they're going to be able to take what they learn in leadership training for Christ and use that and allow God to work through them in the kingdom. Uh, so there's a the meeting following our assembly in the chapel for parents. Uh, also, something I forgot to mention that's not a small thing, it's our first Sunday meal, the first one of the year. Uh, we have this every first Sunday, and uh, we want to especially invite our guests those of us who have been here for a while, we know what to do. You'll see those little boxes there for, to drop money in. What you would normally pay for, uh, going out to eat, just put that amount in those boxes. That helps fund this meal. If you're a guest with us, it's on us. Please, please join us for this meal in our Family Life Center. It's easy to find. Just follow the line, and it will be, you'll be fed. So, new home groups. New website, new logo, new theme. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. In our Bible classes, we work through the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapters 3 and 4. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 here in a moment. But the beginning of Jesus' ministry is interesting because it doesn't really begin with Jesus. It begins with his forerunner, John the Baptist, who makes this announcement out in the wilderness. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist is preparing the way for the king. And then the king arrives. The Lord Jesus enters into the waters, as all of his followers have done, into the waters of baptism. And as he rises from the waters, the Spirit descends upon him. In shades of what we see in the Old Testament with David, when he is anointed king, the Spirit comes upon King David. So, the baptism of Jesus is a kind of anointing. But it's the focus, as we think about God with us, we're going to focus on the story that happens immediately after the anointing of Jesus there at his baptism. One might think that following such an amazing event, whenever he comes out of the waters, the Spirit descends, and the voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. You'd think that it's time for Jesus to have a victory march, that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would go to the throne of God, and he would go to the throne there in Jerusalem. And from a Jewish perspective, take out the Romans. It's time for Israel to come back to power, and here's the Messiah leading the charge. That's not what happens. Following his baptism, Jesus immediately goes into a time of great testing. And that's where we'll pick up the story. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. 
And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8, Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Oh, may God bless the reading of his word. Well, just before the sermon this morning, we sang the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And it is a classic hymn. It is a song that is special to many of us. Many people in this room have a connection to that song. Our family has a connection to that song. That was Julie's grandfather's favorite song. And a very special gift to the church. But like so many of our our songs, this hymn in particular has a story behind it. A very tragic story. A story about a remarkable man named Joseph Scriven. Now Joseph was an Irishman, and he fell in love with an Irish girl. It was his childhood sweetheart. And they dreamed of their new life together. They were to be married. But the day before the wedding, the day before his fiancée went on a horseback ride out in the country, she was riding by a river, and the horse got startled and bucked her off into the river. She passed out and drowned. And of course, this sent Joseph into a a spiral of grief and sorrow, so much so that he had to leave Ireland. He could not be there anymore, so he went across the Atlantic. He landed in Canada in a little town outside Port Hope. And it's there where he found some hope. He established a new life there in Ontario, And he met another woman, a woman named Eliza. And they were to be married. But a few weeks before the wedding, Eliza fell ill. And within a couple of weeks, she died. And both of these tragedies happened to him before the age of 25. It's one of those stories that really boggles the mind. We think about it, the trials and the pain that some people have to endure. Of course, trials of various kinds are not unfamiliar to us. There are many in this room who have a connection to Joseph Scriven's story. We can connect. We can relate. We sang that one line in the hymn, Have you trials and temptations? And the answer is a resounding yes. Trials and temptations are part of life. We worked through this with the first sermon on the book of James back in November. And that word called 
parasmos, parasmos, and has a wide range of meanings. It means trials and temptations. It means testing. And really the context of Scripture tells you what direction you're supposed to go with that word. It has the range of meaning, as one author says, from a hangnail to the Holocaust. It's all captured in that word, trials and temptations there in the Greek language. But we don't have to go searching out for parasmos. We don't have to go searching out for trials and temptations. They come and find us. They are readily available. To be human is to face trials and temptations. We know about trial. We got the note yesterday of a trial. A loved one who's lost unexpectedly. It's the nature of living in a fallen world where things break. Bodies break down. They no longer work and it's a tragedy. We live in a world where accidents happen. We're good people, innocent people, children, are at the wrong place at the wrong time, and their life is taken from them. We live in a world of temptation, and so as Christians, we confess, and it's part of our logo, our old logo, our new logo, the cross. At the cross, Jesus defeated the evil one. He is defeated, but he is a cornered animal He lashes out. He is, as Peter describes, a lion who roars and prowls around seeking whom he may devour. And so we know about temptation. We know what that's all about. We are tempted. We are lured to take our eyes off of Christ through distraction, through sloth, through uh, the lure to power, the temptation to fight for our independence from God. And just when we seem to conquer a temptation, another one arrives at the door unannounced and hits us at our weakest point. We live in a world where there is suffering, trial, and temptation for the faith. And we heard it in Stephen's prayer this morning. People who are really being persecuted because of the name of Christ. And they're being asked, they're being demanded to renounce the name of Christ in order to alleviate the suffering. And I imagine there's a temptation before our brothers and sisters right now to throw their hands up in the air and say, this is, this is too much. It's one thing for me to go through it, but now my family is going through it. My children are suffering because of the name, and I'm out. I could see that as a temptation. Have you trials and temptations? We know the answer to that question. It is woven into the fabric of life. And yet, when we accept this reality, this reality of living in a fallen world, it's here where our theme for this year, God with us, really becomes alive and becomes an incredible word of grace to His people. Especially when when we run across passages like Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. There's a lot going on in this passage We talked about it in our Bible class, the connection between the temptations of Jesus and the temptations of Israel. Jesus succeeds where Israel fails. There's the the cosmic confrontation between Jesus and the evil one. But what I would like to hone in this morning is on something very specific related to our theme, God with us. Because what we discover in this passage, when we really think about what's going on in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, is that God is all in. 
God is all in when it comes to being with His people. God is not some distant landlord, off in His ivory palace, looking down on the suffering ones. No, that's, that's not the God whom we serve. We serve a God who entered into the tragedy of life. A God who entered into the mess. A God who entered into fallen creation. God through Christ, took in all aspects of our humanity into Himself. Have you trials and temptations? Jesus did. Jesus experienced everything we experience as human beings. He knows what it's like. We read these temptations. He knows what it's like to be weary, tired, Hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted to put the Lord God to the test. He knows what it's like to be offered the kingdom, power, the lure of security. Even beyond these temptations and thinking about trials and temptations, he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to lose a friend. He knows what it's like to weep in the face of death. He knows what it's like to want to quit. He knows what it's like to be afraid. He knows what it's like to be humiliated. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by those closest to him. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by both enemy and friend. He knows what it's like to experience physical pain and suffering. The place where this is really unpacked and explored further is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is not really a book. It's more of a letter. It's not really a letter. It's more of a sermon. That's why the writer of Hebrews is often called the preacher. And Hebrews is written to a group of people who are experiencing parismos. They're experiencing trial and temptation. They're being persecuted for the faith, and they want to quit. Their endurance is fleeting. That's what Hebrews is all about. And the topic of the Sermon of Hebrews is this. Jesus is our great high priest. And there's, there's a very powerful statement made by that that's brought out in some passages in Hebrews. If you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, this is where this topic is introduced. I'll read a couple of scriptures from Hebrews just to get us thinking about the connection that Jesus has with his people. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. The preacher says, and he's about Jesus' endurance through the cross to the end, he says this, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God to make appropriation, the cross, to make appropriation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Again, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. 
Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Jesus had to do this in order to become a faithful and high priest. And he's not unable to sympathize with his people. He's been tempted in every respect. His whole life through the cross was a test. A test that he endured. Have we trials and temptations? Of course we do. But don't think for a second that we are alone. Or abandoned. Or discarded. Or that God does not have some type of understanding of what is going on in our lives. Emmanuel has come. God with us and he knows about the struggles of life he knows about the tragedies of life and because of this he is able to help those in their time of need he knows we need help there's a a wonderful passage in hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 where it says that the great high priest lives to intercede for us he intercedes for his people because he knows we need help what a friend we have in jesus Take it to the Lord in prayer. Joseph Scriven, the Irishman, understood this 150 years ago as he experienced the tragedy of losing two fiancés before the age of 25, and he came to a crossroad in his faith. He was tempted to quit. Certainly the temptation there was to, to join in with the worldly escapes from these terrible tragedies. Would he, would he succumb to despair? Or would he draw near? Would he draw near to the truest friend that he could possibly have? For Joseph Scriven, the God whom he served, was not a distant God. The God he served was the one who drew near, who was present with his people, even in the midst of trials and temptations. He understood that he had a faithful and merciful high priest who understood what suffering was all about. And so Joseph decided at that crossroads moment to go all in for the master. And he poured his life out like a drink offering for the widow, for the orphan, for the poor. He lived a life of poverty in imitation of the great high priest who stands in solidarity with the sufferers, those experiencing trials and temptations. Years after these tragedies, his mother fell ill and he was too far away from her to go see her. He was too poor to go and see her, but he did the next best thing. He wrote a poem to her. It was a poem of encouragement to his mother. It was a poem about Emmanuel, God with us. It was a poem about Jesus, our great high priest, the truest friend who is there for his people. It was a poem called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. The song that we just sang before the sermon. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. This morning, we may find ourselves 
in the pit. We may find ourselves experiencing trial and temptation of various kinds. And maybe we don't see a way out. Well, there is always a way out. But it goes straight through the cross and it goes straight through our Lord Jesus Christ, the truest friend we could ever have. May we as a church and may we as individuals continue to take it to the Lord in prayer whenever we face trials of various kinds. He is the one who can lift us up. If you'd like to respond to the Lord's invitation, to respond to the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, maybe you need some lifting up. And this congregation is here to help, to walk by your side. Perhaps it is time you've come to a point of belief. You've heard the story of what Jesus has done in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and you're ready to enter into the waters of baptism and be united with his death, to be raised, to walk in the newness of life, to become part of the body of Christ. We can do that as well. If you'd like to join in with what God is doing here among us, here at Brentwood Oaks, this is the time to do this as we stand and sing this song.